Hi, Jules. It's us. It's the 26. We missed you already. Oh, no. Oh, my. Okay. Well, we we um, left off last week talking about, you know, just the nature of humanity. Everything in, in existence, everything, is trying to find equilibrium, trying to find balance. Um, even, you know, plant life, because if you put a plant in the shade, it's going to bend itself around and reach for the sun, because that's what it needs. Or if it's a sun plant, it's going to shrivel up. I mean, if it's a shade plant, it'll shrivel up from the sun, trying to get out of the sun. And they don't think. That's just the way everything in nature was made, to seek equilibrium, wholeness, soundness. Um, every waking minute of every little creature's life is, is uh, spent seeking wholeness and soundness. Food, protection, whatever they need to live. You know, to have their needs met. Well, human beings are no different um, in that sense that we are always seeking equilibrium. Um, the difference in us and animals, I think, sometimes is that um, we have so much more craziness because we're the crazies. So we're running uphill trying to find that equilibrium. Just like um, uh, Lee and Jordine were talking about, you, you turn on Christian TV to hear a word of peace, to hear a word of wholeness, to hear a word of victory, and then you get crazies on TV giving you, you know, false information. Well, if you take that information and you walk it out, you are not going to end up in a place of soundness and wholeness. The only place where there's soundness and wholeness is in the kingdom of God. And we talked about Jesus saying right there in the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't even hardly get out of the chute when he was saying, by Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right. And then everything that you need and worry about for equilibrium will be added to you. It's seeking the kingdom that brings you to an equilibrium. But somehow we, um, we either don't um, see it with, the, with our mind's eye because you have to see the kingdom with the mind's eye. It is, um, it is intrinsic. Okay, The kingdom of God, um, like Jesus said, it, people say, it's over here, it's over there. Jesus says, no. The kingdom of God is within you. It's, it, it has a specific location. It is in the spirit realm and it is in you and you're in the kingdom of God when you're a born again believer. Now the kingdom of heaven is all around you and you're in it. But the kingdom of God is in you. So everybody kind of got that? Yeah. That's Say that again. Because I always think of them as interchangeable. Yeah, and we, that's one of the things that's been so interesting about this is, you know, we've always sort of been taught kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, interchangeable. And one of the biggest arguments was that um, Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven uh, when he tells a story because he's speaking to the Jewish people and they couldn't say the name of God. Which to me is kind of a lame argument anyway. Because they could say, you know, Hashem, the name. Um, Adonai, they could say anything. But that was their explanation. And that the other gospels used the kingdom of God for the same parables because they were talking to somebody other than the Jewish people. 
And I'm thinking, I think some Jewish people read those <laughs> scriptures. <laughs> you know, I don't understand not being able to say the word God because God is not his name. That's who he is. His that's name right. is right. And 27 or more. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was a law. You know, well, what happened was it was... Uh, the, the, in the Ten Commandments, it is, you shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. So around that one commandment, they made all these laws so, and they took the pronunciation of the name away. They left the letters. Everybody knew yod heh vav because that was written on the altar. But the pronunciation of it, the vowel markings, oh, were removed. Yes. No. They took it away on purpose so that people could not use the name in vain. They didn't know how to say it. And in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed and the priesthood was scattered, the pronunciation of the name was completely lost. So even the Hebrew people have no idea, really, how it's pronounced. They think Yahweh, but they don't really have any idea about the pronunciation. You know, and they did it to themselves. Yeah, because in Genesis... Chapter 4, it says, and men called on the name of the Lord. You know, and you go, what is that? Um, so they haven't been able to do that, and they've been in trouble ever since. Ever <laughs> since, exactly right. So when we look at the difference in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, you know, I started reading in Matthew, and I'm going, this is crazy, because Jesus very specifically delineates between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And he uses the kingdom of God. So like right there at the beginning of um, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, he says, if you, you know, living in the kingdom of heaven, if you are worried about what to eat, what to wear, seek the kingdom of God. And all those things will be added to you. So even Jesus made the difference. And all throughout Matthew... He will use the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Now think where we've gone in the ditch, or at least where I've gone in the ditch. I'll just speak for myself and then you can get on board or not. Um, when Jesus speaks about um, the Son of Man coming in His glory, you know, and setting up the kingdom, He speaks about the kingdom of heaven. But that's because He is coming from the line of David into this material world. And he will rule, he will have a throne here in this material world for a thousand years, right? So, But that is in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God, the lordship, is still within us. Um, we're going to read some scriptures after a while that even talk about that. Jesus will be ruling with a rod of iron. So even then the kingdom of heaven is not going to be perfect. If somebody dies at 100, it's because they sinned, you know. So even then in the kingdom of heaven, there's not perfection. And, we, and, and I think one of the big mistakes we make and one of the things that causes us the most trouble is when we, when we try to interchange in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, we tend to want to eliminate um, the evil yeah. and the fallenness. But the kingdom of heaven is, is inclusive. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Where the kingdom of God is exclusive. It's for those who have received Jesus as Lord. 
you know, and have made him the Lord of their life, then you enter into the kingdom of heaven because you are in Christ Jesus who is seated in heavenly places with the Father, you know. So we, um, but that's from within, not outwardly, okay? So the kingdom of heaven is both spirit and material. It is everything that God created. It is all of his territory, all of his domain. That's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is the rulership, the lordship of God in our lives. And that's kind of the difference in the two. So we're going to go with that. But when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven, and um, we're going to run into that here pretty soon, where um, the disciples are wanting to know when he sets up his kingdom, you know, and he refers to the kingdom of heaven, he's literally speaking about this earthly kingdom that he's going to rule over. This material realm and spirit realm that he's going to rule over for a thousand years. Um, and that is still different than the kingdom of heaven. Um, if, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then you are a part of the kingdom of God inwardly. Um, so no matter whether he's on the throne or not on the throne right now, you're in the kingdom of God. But there will come a time when there will be a much greater overlap you know, between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God because most of the world is going to be uh, at harmony with him you know, and will accept his lordship. But not everybody because... He is going to rule with a rod of iron. So that's just the way it is. We're going to read some scripture to prove it. Okay, so the deal is this. Everybody's looking for this equilibrium, this wholeness. But we don't always have eyes to see. That's what Jesus was saying when he was teaching in all of these uh, parables. He said, those who have the ears to hear and eyes to see, you know, the, then you're going to get it and more will be given to you. But if you don't have the ears to hear, if you don't have, if you can't see it in your imagination, if you can't hear it with your heart and understand it, you know, with the mind's eye and with the mind's ears, then even what you get is going to be lost to you. And that's what that very first parable was about with the sower. It had to do with the mind's eye versus the world's eye, you know, and where that seed was landing. Um... Um, I want to look at Jeremiah 17. We've looked at this one a lot, but this kind of speaks to the condition of where we are. Jeremiah 17. We've read it a lot, but it's just really, it is so powerful. Especially when you start to think about what do you see in the kingdom of God? What, what do you see in the kingdom of heaven? What is it that you grasp and understand? Because both are present all the time. The good and the bad and the ugly. It's all there all the time. But it depends on what you perceive, what your heart perceptions are as to what you receive. Okay. Two mindsets, and this is where we're heading in just a minute. Um... Two mindsets, a carnal mindset and a spiritual mindset. All right? And um, a carnal mindset sees the kingdom of heaven as this material world and your flesh and your own strength and your own ability to, to take care of yourself, which all type A personalities will appreciate. <laughs> Been there, done that. But the, 
the those who are spirit minded um, have a different worldview because theirs is that inward, uh, the mind's eye and the and the the ear of understanding that Jesus talks about, and they see an entirely different thing. Even though both are present, they see a different thing. And even in um, the Hebrew, the word for see is a ra'ah, and it means to discern, to perceive, to experience. Okay, it isn't just visible seeing. Physical visibility. Right, yeah. Strictly spiritual. It is. Or um, if you don't want to go with spiritual even, it could be strictly mental. Yeah, you know, in the realm of conscious and subconscious. Okay. Um, So look at verse 5. What chapter? 17. Uh, Jeremiah 17. Sorry if I didn't say that. Could read my mind, Bill? How you doing on there? <laughs> okay, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in a man and makes flesh his arm, whose heart departs from the Lord. This is a man who... And, and the thing is, it doesn't say this is an evil man. It doesn't say he's a wicked, evil, sinful man. It says this is his mindset. His heart is not on the Lord. He can know the Lord. Look at the Pharisees. They all knew who he was. But they all trusted in their own goodness, their own uh, uh, position, their own you know, ability to make things right with God. Like current politicians. Exactly right. Current politicians. Bingo. Um, they're just not looking to God. They have departed from that. That lordship isn't there. They're focused on the world. So this is what happens. For they will be like the heath in the desert. Okay, they'll be like the heath in the desert. It doesn't mean they're in the desert. It means they'll be like the heath in the desert. Why? Because they will not see when good comes. The word see there is to perceive, to experience, to discern it. The good comes... But if your mind's eye is looking at the material realm, you will not perceive the kingdom of God. You will perceive the kingdom of heaven, but you will not perceive the kingdom of God from where the blessings flow. Okay, because your eye is focused somewhere else. Even your mental understanding, your imagination. When you imagine that you can depend on the strength of men. Um, I was reading this story the other day. I woke up the other morning and I still don't. I'm still chewing on it. But I woke up the other morning telling myself the story of Joash. Well, Joash. I'm going, who is, who is Joash? And um, so I got up and I looked him up. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, what am I talking about? And the Lord was saying, Joash died. Joash got wiped out. And I'm going, I thought he built the temple. You know, the little box with the treasures. The Joash little treasure box at the temple door. Didn't we do that with the kids one time? The Joe Ash boxes or something? I thought, didn't Joe Ash take objects and hide them in his tent? No, he that's didn't. A, you know? One. Yeah. And this is... Minor characters that you I know. Maybe there's more than one Joe Ash. Yeah. And, but this one, you know, he's talking about... No, he just... He went to ruin. And so I'm reading the story about Joe Ash, who was a king. Now, when his... When he was a little guy, his grandmother went nuts and murdered everybody, his whole family. And um, uh, his uncle, 
who was um, a, a, a priest, high priest in the temple, hid him. He and his family hid this little guy. And um, the, when um, the country turned on this crazy woman, Athalia or whatever her name is, um, they killed her off. Uh, but Well, before they killed her off, this high priest gathered everybody from the temple together and coronated this little guy, Joash, as king. And then when the grandmother found out about it, she kind of went nuts and they just wiped her out. Okay, so Joash grew up under the high priest. And he was tutored and he did the right things, you know. And, and um, he ordered to have the temple rebuilt, you know, and all the kingdom came together, Judah, and, you know, did all the, put all the gold in and they had enough to pay off all the debts and get the work done. And then they had enough gold left to make all new utensils and everything in the temple. And it was all good. Until... That's exactly right. Uh -oh. Until Joash uh, decided, you know what? I'm, I think God loves me a lot. I think I'm just going to go in and offer my own sacrifice in the, you know, in the temple. And they caught him there. And um, God turned against him. And God says, you know what? You're not going to, you know, don't go to war with anybody. And um, yeah, because it'll be over. Yeah. So what did Joash do? He turned to Israel. He thought the Syrians were going to come after him, so he turned to Israel. No, he, he turned to Israel. And Israel, Israel, uh, he wanted to make an alliance with Israel, the northern kingdom, because he was in Judah. Oh, okay. And uh, he didn't trust God. God said, "Don't even do that. Don't trust men." You know, if you want to get this right, you're going to have to come back and trust me, which is what he was trying to get him to do because Joash was going to trust himself. Well, shoot, Joash hooked up with Israel and Israel wiped him out. You know, and then Joash got sick and they killed him on his bed. You know, I'm going, Lord, what is the purpose of that? What is the purpose of that? And I, I really, I haven't gotten a good answer on that. But um, my thought is, it is really easy for us in the middle of whatever we're doing to forget and to turn to our own flesh. Mm -hmm. And God says, you know, the good was coming to you, Joash, it was there. But you stopped looking at the good and started looking at yourself and everything around you. And even though the good was there, you became like the heath in the desert. All the good dried up in your life. You get too comfortable with yes. yourself and then yeah. you rely on yourself. That's exactly right. And yeah. that's the kingdom of heaven. You know, I, I still don't know everything, but that's the story. I'm going, why that story that I wake up talking about? Joash getting wiped out. You know, yeah. Athaliah's crazy grandmother, yes. And um, so anyway, so, so Joash became like that. He was a good man, but he did not perceive the kingdom. He was looking around at the flesh, trying to find his answers in the world, in the flesh, in himself, and he did not see the good when it came. But will inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. Now nobody would choose that in their right minds. I don't care how bad you are. Nobody's going to want to live there. But it simply had to do with his perspective. His, his world perspective of the kingdom of heaven. Then blessed, empowered to prosper 
is the man that trusts in the Lord. That's the kingdom of God. Whose hope is the Lord. And that's so um, powerful. That word hope. That confident expectation. If you... If you have confident expectation in God, that's because you have seen with your mind's eye and you believe that the kingdom of God is more real than the material world. That what God says is more real than what you see. And if that's the case, if God is your hope, your confident expectation, then you'll be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and you shall not see when the heat comes. Why won't you see when the heat comes? The heat comes. The trouble comes. It's because your focus in your mind's eye is on the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right. It's not on the whole kingdom of heaven. But her leaves shall be green and and you will not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful Mm -hmm. above all things. And desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And um, so that's exactly what all these parables are about. The fruit of your doings. The fruit of your being. You know, Um, I was laughing um, last Sunday we were going back through the Beatitudes you know we used to say thou shalt thou shalt I always thought and being Catholic I was raised thinking the word blessed was holy you know holy is the one who is born holy but it just literally means empowered to prosper Jesus is trying to tell you how to perceive the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of heaven and what your attitude ought to be and then, so I was saying the B attitudes and then I realized oh my gosh it's the B attitudes <laughs> they're the attitudes that you ought to be right. and I'm going yeah I love that so I got kind of silly in Sunday school last week but I thought isn't that cool it's the B attitudes and that will get you to the kingdom of God which is where the overcoming power is okay I know it oh my gosh <laughs> So the deal is this, you have to seek. And that's where we ended up last time. We ended up with the seeking. People who are genuinely looking. And we talked about the man who walked in the field. This, You know, he was looking at the field to see what it would prosper him to buy it. You know, he he wasn't just out there lost. He had purpose in where he was going. And he was looking at this field. But suddenly... He stumbles on this great wealth. And um, like I was telling you, the writers will tell you, he, it wasn't like a bucket of gold or a diamond that he could have picked up and put in his pocket. It was like a picture of, the, of a mine, a gold and a silver mine with veins running all out under the field. So he sold everything he owned, gave everything up, sold it all, and bought that one field. Why? Because the the prospering in that field was greater than everything he owned. Same thing with the pearl. That man was out looking for the perfect pearl. He was looking, looking, looking. When he found that perfect pearl, he sold everything to possess it for himself because the value of the pearl was greater than anything he had in this world, in the kingdom of heaven. So when when we talk about this business of seeking and um, 
and what the value of finding the kingdom of God is, that's it. Um, we used to be taught all the time that, that, that we were the pearl of great price. That Jesus sold everything he had, but he didn't sell everything he had. He just temporarily laid it aside and came as a man, paid our price, and then picked it all back up again. It, it, wasn't a, a, it, was, a, it was a tremendous sacrifice for the moment, but it was a sacrifice for a gain just like it is with us. It's a tremendous sacrifice for the moment in that we're walking away from the world. We're walking away from the world system to purchase, to lay hold of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God has a far greater wealth. You know, the, the kingdom of God is the, is the place where you find the wisdom of God. And um, so go real quick with me to Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8. Seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right and all these things will be added to you, right? The wisdom of God is his way of doing and being right. Okay, that's where we just left, Matthew. Alright, we're just talking about the Sermon on the Mount. But this is what I want you to see about it. Look at verse 10. Chapter 8. Receive my instructions, not silver... And knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. I have to stand up. Excuse me, I have a little cramp in my leg here. Oh, I hate that. Oh, yeah. Okay, Lord. I hate that. Oh, my gosh. I think, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> it's your turn to rub my I remember when you got all cramped yeah, up like right. that. Oh, I didn't get terrible. cramped up. My hip got dislocated. That's right. Your hip was dislocated. That's exactly right. Okay, Lord, thank you. Don't know where that came from, but Satan, you could just stop it right now. Okay, verse 11. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that may be desired are not compared to it. So in other words, everything in this world, in the kingdom of heaven, that can be desired by your flesh is not as valuable as that kingdom of God, the wisdom of God, his way of doing and being right. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy. Why? Because pride and arrogancy are people who have the vision of the flesh world, the material world. They trust in the arm of man. And the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Crooked mouth. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding and I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. Yes, durable riches. That literally means material riches. And righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice. Judgment. Okay. It, seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. That, that wisdom 
is the way of righteousness. That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasuries. That's pretty cool. But it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Now, um, just kind of moving through these proverbs, we're starting to, uh, uh, these parables, we're starting to get into, I just call them the paradoxes of the kingdom. There's so many of them. Like, um, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Whoever is great among you, let him be your master. Whoever is chief among you, let him be your servant. The least shall be the greatest and the greatest shall be the least. Um, that to me, which is actually Matthew 23, he says that. And But he's speaking about coming to, to the kingdom of God like little children. Coming as little children. Children inherit the kingdom of God, not adults, which is completely reversed. It's a paradox. What is true in the kingdom of heaven is, uh, is, uh, is a complete paradox with what's true in the kingdom of God. You know, in the kingdom of heaven, in this material realm, you say, you hoard, you collect in order to, you know, to survive. We have our savings account and our checking account. You don't want to be irresponsible. I'm not saying that. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, give it away. Give it all away. And come and have your treasure in the kingdom of God. You know, have your treasure stored up where I can protect it from the moth and the rust and everything. It's, it's a complete reversal of what you would think. Um, then there's whoever loses his life will find it. And whoever finds his life will lose it. You know, um, everything about the kingdom of heaven has at least two viewpoints. All right. So let's just kind of take, this is not even a parable, but this is so typical. Now here they are. These are good men. They're men that Jesus has chosen. Go to Matthew 18. They've been following him for a while now. It's getting close to the time when he's about to leave them. And this argument's been going on for some time. Even, even James and John's mother got in this argument. Okay. And, it, and it, it was not just a one-time occurrence. This is something they've been chewing on for a long time. And um, here it is. All that's in the world, the material world, the kingdom of heaven, pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. We'll look that up in a minute in 1 John. But here it is. You know, these guys, even though they're saying, yes, he's Messiah, they have not perceived the full kingdom of God. Okay? And there's a pride in it. So go to um, 18.1. At the same time came the disciples to Jesus saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Meaning, and Jesus refers to this, but he's speaking about his, his heavenly kingdom. Okay, It's not the same thing as the kingdom of God, which is lordship. This is his kingdom, the literal kingdom that he's going to rule in this whole earth. Spirit, material, light, dark, everything is going to be under his feet. Okay. And Jesus called the little child to him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you will not enter 
the kingdom of heaven. Um, the word converted there, strepho, is literally turned around or twisted around, changed from one habit of life or set of opinions to another. So unless you change your viewpoint and start looking at this from the kingdom of God's point of view, you are not going to see or be able to enter my kingdom of heaven. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to be loyal to me. You're going to have to lean on me like you do Yahweh. And then you'll be like a little child because that's what a child does. It's blind trust with the child. Blind trust, complete trust. And he says, you guys are looking for your power. You know, you're looking for your power base. You're looking to be well off, seated on a throne. And he says, you're going to have to come like a little child. You're going to have to have a change. I love that word converted. It's, I don't love the word converted, but I like strepho. Because it literally means you're going to have to absolutely change your entire set of opinions, your own, your own habits of life, everything. You're going to have to give it all up. Sell it all off for the greater value, you know, the kingdom of God. All right, whoever therefore will humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall, shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. But whoever offends one of these little ones which believes in me, it'd be better for him that a millstone was hanged about, hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. I... um. I used to think of that literally in terms of just little kids. But I, I've come to see it, especially in the last few years, as any one of us who, like a child, has come to trust in the living God. And when we are abused and persecuted and mistreated because uh, of our whose child we are, you know, um, it would be better for that person that they had a millstone around their neck than to come after the children of the kingdom of God. Um, because you're saying in a way that this child image that is uh, is us as his children. Right. Yes. As, exactly. as being born again believers, we yes. are the children. Yeah. We are the sheep. We're the, That's ones, right. we're the one sheep that he goes out to find. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I used to just think of it as little children, whoever would mistreat little children. And I agree with that. Anybody that mistreats little children, amen. Even abortion clinics. But I also have come to see this as, you know, people who persecute Christians, the children of God, you know, who are the who are Old members. Testament version. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. There you go. Absolutely, the the uh, promise of Abraham, uh, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, turn on the page now and skip over to. Um, um, Well, let's just go back to the sheep here. Look at verse 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. Um, how do you think? If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek that one which has gone astray? And if so be that he finds it, verily I say to you, he rejoices more of the sheep than of the ninety-nine which were not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Um, so he's saying here, it, the, 
you have to get over this business of being like a big boss in the kingdom. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I see it all the time. You know, I'm in the this like deacons and board members, and you know, it becomes their power base um, in the church. And I used to see it a lot in our church. We had so many committees and so many um, areas for people to kind of um, <coughs> control and be an authority. Now we have just one governing body. And that council is very humble. They're very humble people. And um, they really listen to God. And they, you know, they are kingdom people. And our, our church flows so much better. But it used to be, you know, even the old, the old board chairmen was, oh, we didn't used to do it that way. I, mean, I don't know how many times I've heard those comments um, about any new thing. But I don't see that as much in this church as I used to. Um, it's that mindset that we just have to get over. Um, we're not that. If, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you're going to have to be the least. That's how you get to be great. Um, um, let's look at um, Daniel chapter 7. We're going to look at Jesus' rule here um, and why he calls his, the place that he rules the kingdom of heaven. Um, as opposed to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Did you miss something? Um, flip over to 18.7. Okay. It says, um, NIV, it says, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Mm -hmm. Such things must come, and woe to the man through whom they come. That'd be like the millstone around his neck. Mm -hmm. But it goes then to the individual. Yeah. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Yeah. That is another way of saying what you just indicated right. that uh, get rid of the way of the old ways and take up my ways. That's it. And you do. We have to cut it off. It's a drastic thing. It isn't, you know, you can't just inch over there just like that man. He had to sell everything he owned. And buy that field. He had to forsake his old life, give it all up, walk away in order to purchase that field. Same with the man who found the pearl of great price. He had to sell everything he owned, walk away from his life, you know, cut it off, and step out into a new place. You know, trusting in the value of the pearl as opposed to the value of what he'd had in his hands materially. And um, knowing, though, in his mind's eye, that this was a greater value the greater treasure. Um, and that's exactly what he's saying. So you're going to have to cut all this stuff out. You're going to have to give it up, walk away from it. Um, we're going to continue sort of in the same vein with this conversation because he deals with it again with a rich young ruler. So just skip over from where you are. Um, and go to... Um, Verse 16, in chapter 19. Oh, we're not going to Daniel? Oh, you're, yeah, let's go to Daniel first. Because okay. I, I want to I solidify this business of that Jesus' Jesus's kingdom is going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Okay? But it is not going to be a perfect place. Go to Daniel 7. 
Okay. Um, this is just a picture of his coronation. Um, look at verse 12. Let's see. Okay. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, and yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Those are the fallen angels. Uh, Satan and all of them were bound in, you know, in the uh, in the pit, right, for a thousand years. Okay, but what has not been eliminated is fallen flesh. You understand that men still have a choice. Okay. Um, I saw in the night vision, behold, one like the Son of Man, who came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and a kingdom. Not the kingdom, but a kingdom. And look at what it is. A kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. Okay. He's never going to be removed from that throne. And he's going to rule over peoples and nations and languages. That is the kingdom of heaven. Now in that kingdom of heaven, there will be many who are also of the kingdom of God. Okay. Who have the kingdom of God within but not everybody. Um, all right, from there back up to Isaiah 65. Isn't he going to give the kingdom to the Father? Yes. God is going to, God the Father the, will be united at the end. And it will become the full kingdom of God at the end of man's reign. But you have to for now the kingdom of God is within you. It is your lordship. But until God at the end of, you know, of Revelation 21 22, when he moves in and sets up his throne Jesus, the man, who is also God, is going to rule as the son of David. And he's going to rule over peoples and nations and languages, which is the kingdom of heaven. That's why when he speaks about when they say, can we be in your kingdom? And he says, well, if, you're, if you don't come even as a little child, you will not be a part of my kingdom. Why? Because when he comes... He's going to look at people and, and say, depart from me because I never knew you. And they're going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do great things in your name? He's going to go, mm -mm, never knew you. Never knew you. Um, it's a hard issue. The kingdom of God is within. Um, so there, there are going to be issues while he's ruling here. Look at um, verse 19, Isaiah 65, 19. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days nor an old man that has not filled his days for a child 
will die at 100 years old. But the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. In other words, if you die at 100, 100 is considered still a child. But if you die at 100, it's because you're a sinner. So there will be sin even in the kingdom. And the sin is always going to be there. All that is in the world. Pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. And men always have the choice. Did you have a question, Lee? Go for it. Uh, no, I'm just confused at, at, at this particular thing that you just read. Read your child, translation. For the child shall die a hundred... Uh, let's see. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be a curse. Yeah. You, what he's if saying there is... is that means you're a sinner. Yeah. <clears throat> you, you, if you die at a hundred, you're a child. In other words, God fully intends for you to live a thousand years till the end. So if you die at a hundred, you die a child. But the sinner who dies at a hundred is accursed. You know, and, and that literally means, um, you know, that, that you bring the curse on yourself. When you say a curse, it is to bring the curse on yourself. So a person who dies at a hundred is still just a child. But that person that dies at a hundred is a sinner who has brought that curse on themselves. And that relates back to, I laid before you life versus death, blessing versus curse. Right. So in the new kingdom, the new earth, and that new heavens, life and blessing is considered to be a thousand years. If yes. you die at only an age of 100, then you fall under that curse, that death. That's right. So and you have made the choice to do that. It's relative. Yeah. That's it. You miss the mark. You're a sinner. Mm -hmm. Miss the mark. And then we have to get into the whole thing of what is it in, in that particular kingdom, what is death? Right. <laughs> right. Which is absolutely the curse. It is the curse. Um, so what happens to them after they die? Is what yeah. Well, I, I imagine they're hell bound because they made the choice. To me, it would be worse to see Jesus Sitting yeah. on that throne. Imagine. Yeah. Knowing that he is King of Kings and right. Lord of Lords and still choosing I know, you it? know, to sin, still choosing to do that. I can't even I can't fathom that. How stubborn is that? Yeah. Not converting and changing your viewpoint. Right. Not converting. Exactly right. Becoming as a little child. Try Psalm two. Oh, I know that. Yep. Here's a picture of it. Psalm 2. Look at verse 7. Um, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, You are my son. This day have I begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's Eretz. The same thing God created. The heaven and the earth. Eretz. Okay. For your possession. 
you will break them with a rod of iron and you will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. There's the little child. Um, so when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven as far as people entering the kingdom of heaven, then he's referring to his own leadership, his own, his own rule in the earth. So it gets a little hairy here now, and that's the reason I kind of uh, uh, changed directions instead of just doing parable, parable, parable. Because I wanted to show you that um, when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about also not only just everything that God created, but also a throne for him, an earthly throne for him. And the kingdom of heaven, everything that God created will be under his feet. But will it all be perfect? No. It will be closer to perfection than ever, but there's still death. Death has not been brought under. Um, and there will still be rebellion. And um, there will still be people who will have to be crushed and brought under. Because the, the flesh of mankind is still not dealt with. The fallen flesh of man has still not been dealt with. Um... It isn't until the kingdom of God uh, when he comes that all fallen flesh is going to be gone and um, um, there won't be any more fallen flesh. But it won't happen until then at the great white throne judgment. He's going to completely clean house. But for right now, the only people who have flesh that have been dealt with are those believers who were taken to heaven for the seven years during Revelations, the bride of Christ. Their flesh has been dealt with. They no longer have fallen flesh. But everybody else, the people that are left on the earth after the tribulation, they're going to marry, they're going to have kids, they're going to grow up, and they're still dealing with that thorn of fallen flesh. So when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, it's still different than the kingdom of God. Go for it. It's like, okay. The born again believers mm -hmm. will be, you say, in heaven, but there's so many different. We're not going to be a part of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is reigning over that we are. Yeah. we are. We are. That's what I think. We'll thought. rule and reign here, right. Okay. But our flesh has been dealt with. We will not be the fallen. So none of us are going to kick off at 100. Right. No, we're going to be around a long time. All right. But for all those human beings um, that, are, that survive... Um, the the Holocaust of the you know the seven years of judgment. There will be a lot of people left because there'll be a ton of Jewish people left because God's going to hide them you know in the rocks right and they're all going to come out still have fallen flesh but they're going to marry and they're going to have families and they're going to repopulate the earth and we'll be ruling and reigning with Jesus over. You know, over that population. That's where we have our glorified bodies. Right. But they do not. Right. That's the big difference. They will not. That's right. So when Jesus is speaking about, and that's why I say this, he speaks about his own 
throne, the throne of David, as being in the kingdom of heaven. Because it's everything. It's all-encompassing. It's the good. It's the bad. It's the light. It's the dark. It's um, the material and the immaterial. And Jesus has the kingdom of God within him. Just like you and I will have the kingdom of God within us. See, where we are born again with the kingdom of God in us, we live so that the kingdom of God flows through us into the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because he wanted God's kingdom to fill up the earth. And God's will, which, you know, in, in perfection, he wants that will to be done on earth. And that's why we pray that. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But we're the vessel through which the kingdom comes. When you become born again, you become a part of the kingdom of God. We're taking territory, you know. As we go and we get other people born again, we're taking territory. We're spreading the kingdom of God. It's slowly spreading through the earth and changing everything so that the kingdom of God is still moving and amassing, you know, territory. Um, but we're in this fallen world doing it. You know. So that's, that's why Jesus prayed what he did about your kingdom come. Because uh, this place stinks. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, amen. Oh, yeah. So, it's real important for us, I think, this is one of the things I'm getting out of this. I really struggle with this, and I think I probably am talking around this tree like I'm chasing my tail, which, forgive me if I sound like I'm chasing my tail, but I am. I'm just telling you out, out front I am. Um, just about the time I think, okay, this is the way I'm going to go with it, because I'm really good about outlining and breaking stuff down. and th There's no breakdown. There's no outline. It's just the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of heaven is like this and you and I should be like this. And this is the way it needs to be done. But there are people who are going to do it the wrong way. you got to have the right mindset. You have to have the right attitudes. And that's why there's so many paradoxes here. So like if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, the first will be last. The last will be first. You know, the, the rich will be poor. The poor will be rich. This is in the kingdom of God. It's completely different than what's here. Poor or poor in the kingdom of heaven. And rich or rich. But in the kingdom of God, the playing field is the same. Okay? And um, so he's just trying to give us this perspective. Now here we go with the rich young ruler. Go back now. To Matthew 19. And keep in mind that this kind of comes on the heels of the, really the last parables that he told. There's one in the middle here about forgiveness that we're going to get to later. But um, kind of comes on the heel of those parables about the pearl and the great treasure in the field. Selling everything to have that great treasure. And um, start with verse 13. Because um, this is kind of a punctuation mark on what we just talked about, the little children. The mindset of total trust. Okay. Then were there brought to him little children, 
that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked him, but Jesus said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. His kingdom. People that are going to totally trust in the living God. You know. Those are the people, the children of God will be of the kingdom of heaven, of Jesus' kingdom of the he- of heaven. Okay. Um, now go to 16. And behold, one came unto him and said, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one. That is God. But if you will enter into life, Zoe, that's divine essence, if you want to be in the kingdom of God, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? (laughs) That's kind of a stupid question, isn't it? Jesus said, you shall do no murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father, your mother, you shall love your neighbors yourself. The young man said to him, you could just hear him all haughty puffing up in his chest, all these things I have kept from my youth up, what do I lack still? (coughs) He just walked right into this one. Because <laughs> this kid is trusting in his flesh. And he, and this is what's so sad to me about this. He didn't see the good when it came. Jesus was there. The Spirit of God was there. The good came. But his eyes were on flesh and on the material. And he did not see the good when it came. That man walked away and became like the heath in the desert. Okay? And Jesus said to him, If you will be perfect, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. He did not say, Then you will be poor, poverty stricken, and a beggar on the street. He said, You have to be converted. You have to change your whole set of opinions here. Don't be trusting in flesh. Don't be trusting in material. Because you won't see the good when it comes. If you want treasure, real treasure, sell everything you own. Come after this treasure in heaven. This is the real treasure. And you know what? As many times I read that story, it never tied in until I started through these parables. You know, that... That's what it was there. I mean, I I had an understanding of it, but it just really got powerful there. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And there it is. He did not see the good when it came. So are you saying here that what this young man is doing is, is within verse 20, he's saying, all these things I have done, which is the carnal vision of the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Okay, but... What Jesus is saying in 21 is change your vision and go after the treasure in the kingdom of God. Yes. Which is me mm-hmm. and you're not seeing me. Right. Okay. And he didn't see. Well said. Hear, yes. hear. Thank <laughs> you. I'm kidding. <laughs> it is well said. That was beautiful. You should just come take this over. Yeah. No, no. I, I yeah. No, it was to, good. need to get straight Synthesize. I find this very confusing. For, for it me. is confusing. It's confusing for me. Um, but if we don't get this straight, we're never going to live in victory over all of it. Because we never are going to see the whole thing. We see, we've been seeing with blinders like this. 
and we've been trying to put things in a box and you can't put God in a box you can't put this kingdom in a box but there is a way to walk through the kingdom of heaven and be on top of everything to be the victor and it, and it has to do with seeing what you do with the parables the word, the sower you have to be sowing the word you cannot trust in the arm of man you cannot trust in flesh and your own goodness or anything else. You have to chunk it all. I never used to understand what that was about, you know, you cannot love father and mother, children and daughter and love me. You know, you must hate the one and love the other. I never got that until I started understanding this. And it isn't that you hate your family, but it is that there is nothing, nothing more important than seeking the kingdom of God. But as soon as you let it all go, your kids, your marriage, your business, everything, as soon as you let it go, God blesses that stuff right back to you and multiplies it. You know, that's, the, that's living in victory in the kingdom of heaven. But when you make the statement, you did not see the good when it came. To me, that is more exactly... He did not see the goodness of God. The goodness of God. The essence of God. That's all right. that God is, all that God has for you. And That's there's it. a really big difference in putting the goodness and all that He is above everything else. Yes. That's what is life changing. Yeah. And that's why the conversation is so important at the beginning. He says, why do you call me good? good. There is none good but God. It's the goodness, the very He could not see the kingdom of God. He could not see it. He was still looking at this material world. Uh, he could not see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of good. God is good. You're exactly right. It's like when people talk about salvation, they have a very limited viewpoint of what salvation very. is. Very. And the blessing are. Yes. And when you start to fully understand that whole package of salvation and what it means to your life when you... Right here on earth. Yes. Get that. Yes. Get, it's yep. all the difference in the New York. It is. You know, storms are going to come. That's, that's beside the point. Um, I was reading an article the other day. I just loved it. I am striking it from my vocabulary under the circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> you saw it too. I just loved it. I thought, what? You know, how many times have we said that? I'm okay under the circumstances. Okay, and, the other and the truth is, Jesus overcame them. He says, in this life you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So it's over your circumstances, not under them. Well, you go. There you go. The other phrase is, well, I, I feel and look pretty good for my age. Right, we yeah. We have to wipe out that condition. Yes, we do. For my age, because we're meant to have divine health. That's health right. Health vitality, That's right. flexibility, everything, everything we need as yeah. long as we live. Yeah. So we're, we're not to put a condition on mm -mm. it to say, well, no. for my age. No, it just look yeah. good. And that's what that fallen world is all about. It just right? tries to bring you down and it does it with, you know, with your seed that you sow. And that's why he says, if you don't understand this one about the kingdom of God, you're never going to get the kingdom right. of God. Because everything works on that. You know, reaping and sowing. I just want to yeah. Yeah, go for it. continue on this rich man. I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. There are some, that would be rich men who think of their riches as theirs. Yes. And who 
keep wanting more and more because there yes. are a number of rich men who give continually. Right. They use their riches, like John Hausman has it. claimed that he doesn't, he's not leaving anything to his kids. Right. He's given everything, Spending he built the cancer mm -hmm. centers. Yeah. And he's, and uh, was Bill Gates is the same way. That's he it. Gives and gives and gives and gives. Yeah, and it, it when you're yeah when so you're it's not a, you're not accumulating wealth for no, yourself. No, you are wealth is a giving it away. Hard work. That's what he says. Give it all away. Give it all away. Go and sell what you have. Give it all to the poor. But you there's know. a difference in giving it away, saying, "Look at what I'm doing." Mm -hmm. That's right. There is that, and that's you know that's but exactly that, right. But still, you, you feel Bill Gates shouldn't be getting credit for. Setting up all these foundations and all. If um, he's doing it out of faith yes. and recognizing uh, where it came from, yes. it's different okay. than saying I made it and I'm giving it away. Look at me, because mm -hmm. I'm a good wow. person. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's we can't see you know. But still, the the principle there is right, Nance. You and I are just to be vessels yes. through which the the riches, the durable riches, the everything listed in Proverbs eight can come to us and flow through us. You can't give away what you don't have. Right. So it doesn't you belong to you. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. And we have to just totally trust in God. A lot for of it. people give to control. Yeah, they do. And so we don't want to give to control. Tax right. Yeah. <laughs> but still. Take note too in this uh, parable here. Uh, when the rich guy says, uh, what commandment should I obey? Yeah, I love it. That was dumb. Notice where Jesus replied. He only gave him five of the ten. Right. And the five of the ten were man-to-man -man relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. What you can do. All the men-to-men -men relationships, yeah. not men-to-God. Right. right. So and then at the end, in verse 26, he said, with God, all things are possible. Right. That's it. Brings it full circle back to... Right. The view of being God oriented. That's right. Man -oriented. Now, this is what I want you to see. Yeah. You know, the, the riches of the world people have. This is what I want you to see. Obedient to God. He's given this box of money over here and walking away. He doesn't care what they necessarily do with it. He's not saying you've got to do it this way, my way, or anything. He's just putting the riches in there for God to use. The way God wants them to be used, right. He's not doing it with the control factor, uh, right. so His name gets put on the side of the the building. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what I want you to see because this is the important thing. Okay, look at verse twenty-three. Because um, the kid, the kid went away sad because he had great possessions, but he also went away like the heath in the desert. He strives a bone. He'll just keep on doing that old dead law. And he'll just keep on being dead when he could have been alive. Okay. So Jesus says, this is so interesting. Now just pay attention. Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's hard for him even to get into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, my lordship. Because he wouldn't do what Jesus said. He would not be, he would not <coughs> allow Jesus to be his lord. So he says really hard. For this guy to even get into the kingdom of heaven here. My kingdom. Because he wouldn't do the one thing that I asked him to do. Okay. And again I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter what? The kingdom of God. 
He cannot at all enter the kingdom of God because of his pride and his ego. He is not that little child coming to the kingdom of God. He can hardly get into the kingdom of heaven. But it's impossible for him to get into the kingdom of God with that kind of attitude. And he makes a delineation here between the kingdom of heaven, my lordship, Jesus Christ's lordship in the earth, and the kingdom of God, God's lordship over everything. It, he makes a delineation in those two verses between the two. So we're bound to make that delineation ourselves. We have to. They cannot be interchangeable if Jesus didn't use and, them interchangeable. And it, it's, it's not the fact that he has money. It's his view of the money. Mm-hmm. And how he acquired it. Yeah. I did it. It's mine. That's exactly that right. Correct? That's it. Yeah. And where is his trust? His trust is in the arm of man. Yes. And in the material. So Jesus cannot be the, his Lord. Because Jesus said, then this is what, he says, what else must I do? And Jesus said, all right, I'll tell you what you should do. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he couldn't do that, which means he couldn't even bow his knee to the kingdom of heaven, which is where Jesus reigns in this earth. But Jesus says he can, a rich man can hardly get into the kingdom of heaven, much less the kingdom of God. And you know what? My Amplified says the kingdom of heaven both times. Does it? So that's it's two different words. Thinking, oh my, oh my. I like, you mm -hmm. know, the kingdom of God and that's what I kept thinking. Mm -hmm. And I looked at Bill's and it says the kingdom of God and mine says yeah. heaven, heaven on both. Heaven on both. That's weird. So yeah, I like that one. Between yeah. Mm -hmm. So does the American standard. Yeah. And it is different. It is different. I'm going to cross that out. Yeah. Well, I'm disappointed in the Amplified because I really count on that sucker. Are you changing the Bible? Uh-uh. I thought, well, that's what I kept thinking. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. And all of a sudden it says, heaven, heaven. And I'm looking and I'm looking at Bill. So it says, that's what this whole study is about. Yeah. And here's the, and here it comes in two sentences. You know, if you can't, Bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You are surely not in the kingdom of heaven. But if you have a hard time with an earthly lordship, you are never going to be able to handle a, a lordship you can't see. You know, one on the, in the spirit realm. You can't. You can hardly handle it. Um, so now, to finish this up, when the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? Well, I know they were shocked because John and his brothers are quite wealthy. Um, if you know anything about their families, uh, of course they lived up in the north country. Um, um, but they also had a home in Jerusalem so that they had a place for their family to come. You know, they at least had owned two homes. And um, so they were quite wealthy. So they're going, oh my gosh. You know, how are we, if, if rich men can't get in, what are we going to do? What do you consider rich? You know, the, it, it, it was, you know, it's all relative. But Jesus beheld them and said, and this is so cool, with men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That had to be a comfort to those guys, you know. And then Peter said it to him. He said, behold, we have forsaken everything and followed you. In other words, hot dog, we, we did give it all up to follow you. We've done it. So what will we have there for? Okay, what do we have? We've given it all up. What do we have? And um, Jesus says, 
Verily I say unto you that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of glory. Now here he's talking about his, his earthly kingdom. You also shall sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Everyone that has forsaken houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake. And that doesn't say sell it off and give it away. It says you just walk away from it. You refocus, you look in a different direction, and you change what's important there. That's the thing. It's yeah. what's important to you, not what you have. It's just right. what you have doesn't make any difference. That's right. That's yes. it. What's important? You've forsaken everything. And they did. They just threw their nets down and followed him. Right. It didn't mean that they, he didn't still have a wife, he didn't still have kids, and they didn't still have homes and things. But, but they just walked away from it. For the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Right. Okay. And if you do that, then what does he say? You will receive a hundredfold and will inherit everlasting life. In, in Mark it says you will receive a hundredfold in this life. An everlasting life. Um, but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's, uh, it's the paradox. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Um, this man was first in wealth, probably, first in the community, first in this and first in that. But he walked away, really, a broken man. But these guys who've given everything away, who seem to be just have forsaken it all, are very wealthy in the kingdom. They receive it all back, a hundredfold, in this life. And... The kingdom of God, which is eternal life, the blessings, the zoe, the divine life that comes with it. All the blessings that come with it. Um, first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added. That's right. Right back to Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right. And then everything else will be added to you. Um, so when, when they talk about giving up those riches... That goes back to, first of all, understanding and agreeing that every good thing that you have comes from God and was given yes. to you. And then you have to make a choice to agree with God as to how he wants you to use what he gave you. Mm -hmm. So you are crucifying your flesh right? yes. and going with his will and his direction. Yes. And it's not the possessions themselves but it's your good stewardship according to God's direction. Right. Exactly. It's not right. the love, it's not the money or the possessions themselves. It's your love and selfishness. Right. For the money. That's and it. So when you agree to be his good steward of what he gave you. Right. Then that changes. It does. It converts your worldview on possessions. It does. And and it takes you out of the place where you are trusting in the material world for your well-being. And it takes you into the kingdom of God where you are trusting God for your well-being. So that giving away everything is no problem. You know, flow, money flowing through you is no problem because you know that you're trusting God. He is going to bless you because the blessing belongs to us in salvation. And it's that difference. It's that Jeremiah 17. The good comes to everybody, 
But those who are focused on their money and hoarding it up and holding it are going to lose it all. Um, that's one of the paradoxes. If you, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life away, you're going to get it back. You know, give it to the Lord. And if you hold on well, to your money. And that's the it. Other hand, if, you, if you want to be like a little child coming into the... Then you, you realize that the child does not have the wealth or the possessions. Right. And right. does have a concept of just going with the flow as you speak. Right. Trusting. That's so it. So you are the child again. Yeah. And you do have that... That not, you know, mm -hmm. you don't hold on to all the, the possessions. child it's image exactly is one of right. total dependence. That's it's right. exactly right. Supply all That's right. right. Well, let me just read this to you, Mark, and then we're going to quit here. This is what, this is the same story in Mark, just a couple more words in it. Peter began to say to him, Lo, we've left all and have followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels but that he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions yeah. and in the world to come eternal life yeah. you know, pretty powerful isn't it yeah. so it's the paradox of the kingdom and um, we're, we'll pick up again studying about that and do some more. I hope we're starting to kind of inch up on this a well, little bit. Yes, I'm kind of close. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I'm, I've had trouble too because I all have, my life. I have a chance now. Yeah, you know, all my life I, I've had those preconceived notions too. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, interchangeable. Um, you know, and the kingdom of heaven is a good place. Yeah. And um, so when I die, I'm going to the kingdom of heaven. And um, I, I just could not fathom that God is so big, he, he, he can't be contained. That he made the void within himself and filled that void with his material creation. He is around all things, in all things, holds all things together. He set all the parameters and... Everything is in the kingdom of heaven. Everything. But the kingdom of God is within you. I even cockroaches. Oh, yeah, even cockroaches. Oh, that's true. Absolutely. <laughs> and dicks. Oh, my gosh. Yep, chiggers. I said, you know, talk about a perverted kingdom. That's one of the things I want to ask God when I get up there. I want to go... What was Why? the purpose of a tick? You know, when you first created those suckers, what was their original purpose? I can't think of anything good about a tick. Or a mosquito, or, you know, I'm going... Insects in general. I want to know what was good about Except for I, I had a discussion one time with uh, somebody and I was about mosquitoes and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and why are they here? And he says... He thinks they were put here to teach us humility. Yeah. <laughs> they do teach humility, don't they? They don't have any control that. over it. That's <laughs> it, and they're this big, and you're this big, mm -hmm. and they can still get you. I tell you. <laughs> I just think, God, you, you had to have a good design for that stuff because you said mm -hmm. it is good. And I'm going... What is good about that? Somebody was doing about rattlesnakes the other day, and I said, oh, they eat like 10,000 ticks a day. You know, I said, they have to eat more than that <laughs> for me to like them. That's all I'm saying about 
rattlesnakes. Nope. I don't think they'll be bothering us in the kingdom of God. No, that's what I'm saying. See, and, and when you're in the kingdom of God, Jesus says what? You could even pick up a snake and it isn't going to hurt you. Right. Drink any poisonous thing, yeah. not going to get you. That's where we need to be because that's the place. Well, okay, let's pray we'll be gone here. Oh my goodness, Father, we, we're having the worst time trying to unravel this. <laughs> I just thank you for the revelation because I know it's there and I know it's huge, but I just ask that you would um, sort it out in our minds this week. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. You're the revelator. I know this is important, but Lord, I have no idea what vision that you want us to see here. What is it that we don't know that we need to know? So I just ask that you would help us to digest this this week as we um, think on it and um, come to new understandings about where we live and how we live and in whom we live and whose we are, Lord. It's just, it's so overwhelming and we just want to be victorious we want to be in that place that you said um, that you have overcome the world and Lord in Jesus Christ we should be there too so I just ask that you give us that wisdom Lord um, we just praise you for everybody around the table I ask that you bless them this week and they're going out and they're coming in that you meet our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus Father I just um lift up Nancy and Andy to you right now and I just ask that your presence be so strong with them this week that it's almost tangible in their house and Lord I just ask that you give Nancy supernatural encouragement and such joy this week um, such joy and such peace and and Andy too Lord I, I just ask for that in Jesus name too Lord we just thank you for all these answers because we believe we receive them and we expect them to come Lord we give you the praise Amen, Amen. Amen.